Hello and welcome to the podcast series of the Siegel Center Film Festival on Theatre and Performance 2022. My name is Tanvi Shah and I am so proud to be producing and co-curating FDP 22. This 7th International Siegel Film Festival showcases over 80 films created for the screen by theatre makers from over 40 countries during 2020 and 2022. Uh, the festival runs from March 1st to March 15th on SiegelFilmFestival.org. It is global, online, free and open for all. I'm currently in conversation with and thrilled to be with Katinka Draganescu from Romania, whose piece Here Moscow Calling is part of the lineup for FTP22. Hi, Katinka. Hi. It's so, so lovely to have you here. So we would just would love to talk about Here Moscow Calling. What is this piece about? Could you tell us a little bit about it and about yourself and how it came to be now during the pandemic? Well, when I work, I always like to push, you know, on that point of resonance between personal experience and collective experience. That is something very important to me. And I would like to say that Here Moscow Calling is really a piece that was born out of the anxiety I think that would be the precise word to use that I have experienced and also my team has experienced and also everybody around us experienced at the beginning of the pandemics. And uh, at the end of it, somehow we wanted to take something good out of it, you know, and discovered that discomfort in itself can be a huge opportunity for a deep uh, conscious, uh, critical process of analyzing ourselves and the surrounding reality. I think the pandemic itself shook our reality, our concept of reality, something that seemed very solid in the beginning, fell into pieces, and we suddenly became more and more aware that it is a puzzle, that the social is actually something that is invented, that um, objective reality is something that is invented, that we are a sum of subjective realities that try to coexist, and the challenges that we are facing globally the pandemics being just a symptom of a bigger crisis in my perspective, um, challenge us to work together. And then the question was for me, how do we build this togetherness? How can art and the artist influence this process of building a bridge? And uh, I wanted to create an experience that mediates, you know, uh, an experience of the consciousness of the other. So not a representation of his reality, not a narrative, but rather an experience. I think experience is a common language somehow. It's like music and understanding how the other thinks, how the other feels, how the other works, which is a byproduct of uh, cultural concepts as well as personal experience and political context is very important in building empathy and this togetherness. And then on a more personal level, for me, the experience of the pandemics, me being in Romania, a country in Southeast Europe, with a post-totalitarian experience, the beginning of the pandemics brought that very much into existence, you know? It was the first time after more than 30 years that you could see police at the corner of the street where suddenly some rules were reinforced on a society that was traumatized by that. And our Pavlovian response to it was what shocked me. 
where in the Western societies, it turned to riots and it turns to discussions about personal freedom. In Romania, the first reactions was compliancy. <laughs> we sort of just obeyed the rules because it was somewhere deep in our texture that that worked. And on a, another personal level, something that um, was important to me was that in the last three years, I started living between Romania and Belgium. So I had the first time experience of a prolonged uh, stay in the Western culture. And it made me more aware than ever the part that being a Romanian plays in my identity as an individual and as an artist. And that what I perceived before as being a cultural gap between the East and the West was actually an experience gap. And somehow this is my attempt of mediating this relationship between the East and the West, the South and the North. It depends on the perspective on how we put the axis, but either way, Romania is Southeast. So it somehow encumbers both um, attributes. Um, I think this is very important, yes. And, and, and it was very different. And this is why we try to do it in a cinematic way, in the screen version as well, because I wanted to see, and it turned out my hypothesis was right, how different the reactions were between Western audiences and Eastern audiences in this therapy of discomfort that we were trying to do. That's really interesting. Could you tell us about what that means? What surprised you about the reaction to the work also because this work, uh, by virtue of it being digital, uh, reached a far wider audience uh, than uh, a local theatrical work normally would. So what was that like? You know, my answer to the question of how this pandemic changed the art and the artist um, was that there are two possibilities, either creating a healing experience, a therapeutic experience, a connecting experience, something that enhances the human, either go exactly the other way and become a trigger on an already turmoiled conscience somehow. And if we're talking about the East, you know, there is in Romania, and I think it's not only in Romania, a shame in regard to the past. We haven't had um, a, a serious and a profound process of assimilating the experience of the past. We thought just the fact that we changed the regime will also change us. Just the fact that we became a democracy would also change us. But what became very visible during the pandemics was that we have a completely disruptive and dysfunctional relationship with the state, for example. We fear the state, we distrust the state, and this is because we associated with the past, this past that we don't understand, that we haven't really processed, that is not in the history books that we're teaching the generations now. And for me, that became something very, very important. And the Eastern audiences were very reluctant to the idea of discomfort, you know. For them, art during communism as well in these in this 30 years of transition, of post-communist transitions, God knows towards what. Um, this became sort of a trauma and something that we need to reject. We just don't want to see this mirror in front of us. We don't want to accept that we as a generation, these young adults in their 30s, are still affected by this. That this mentality still lives within us, that maybe our children will be the first generation that will not 
be subjected to this sort of trauma. And when it comes to Western audiences, they were fascinated. You know, I mean, um, they know the history, they know the story, they have visual representation, but there is something very exotic in the experience of seeing how it works, you know, because it is a dystopia utopia. Somehow it is an experience watching this, this film, this cinematic theatrical work uh, seduces you and is meant to seduce you and to frustrate you in the same way. It is like with communism. It is like with every great utopia, dystopia, in this moment when we need an utopia, if I am to put it like this, you know. Uh, and it is clear that it is very well manipulated, that the experience is built, is very formalistic somehow. And on the other hand, there is something that escapes understanding, rational understanding. There is, there is a something that happens there and that you can't put your finger on it and that makes you question and i am fascinated about putting the audience in this state of questioning questioning what have they seen questioning what was the purpose of that experience but also questioning their own perception of the past and this is regarding the theme and also of their personal relation towards reality towards politics towards what's happening around Thank you. Could you speak, speaking of the story, could you speak a little bit more specifically about what this piece is about? <laughs> so um, if, if I were to make a synopsis of the piece, it would uh, be a process of the consciousness of Svetlana Aleluyeva, the daughter of Stalin, the Russian dictator. Actually, it started from a documentary post-dramatic monologue that this young Russian female, I think it's important, Russian playwright, uh, Yulia Pospelova wrote. And um, I was searching for a couple of years now, the perfect moment and the perfect way of framing this type of story. I think we are living in a times um, characterized by post-documentary theater somehow, we need we need another type of approach on reality and on these type of themes and um, then we imagined how does it feel to be Svetlana Aleluyeva how does it feel to be torn between guilt shame love towards your own personal experience with your father, uh, identity. Um, can you exist outside of your past? Uh, how much of who you are is shaped by that? Um, and uh, how will you be judged slash perceived by the others? Because I think in the story of Svetlana Aleluyeva, there is a deep question of how much we project on her and how much is really her. Her whole life was shaped by trying to escape this identity. And at the end of the day, in spite of her struggles, this is where we are. <laughs> she will always remain the daughter of Stalin, as we will always remain societies that have been under totalitarian regimes. This is, uh, yes, something very important. You've been waiting to tell this story. Why, why now? Why during the pandemic and why in this particular way online? 
this is a very specific question. You know, uh, in 2019, we celebrated like 30 years since the fall of the Wall of Berlin and the revolutions in the Eastern Bloc. Uh, we had a huge disappointment here in Romania that this trial of the revolution did not actually take place and that the, the military uh, gave a verdict that was uh, against everything that we expected. And in these more than uh, 5,000 uh, pages uh, of um, the file, there is no mention of the word of Securitate, which was the secret uh, police in Romania. And uh, that for me was mind blowing, you know? I questioned why I stayed in Romania. My generation is uh, very hardly hit by migration. We are more than 5 million Romanians living outside of Romania, if not more. The numbers are between five and nine million. So it's a quarter or half of a country. And uh, this sort of uh, denying ourselves, uh, you know, the, the, the foundation myth of this democratic Romania by the state in itself, this sort of um, uh, self-raping that we are practicing towards ourselves was uh, heartbreaking. And then when everything stopped because of the pandemics, for me, it became very clear how much pain I have because of that and that I have to do something with it because I'm talking for my whole generation. And it was really interesting watching this piece without, I would say, as much historical and political context as one might need uh, to really understand where and how it is situated uh, and why now and why this story. What would you like your uh, audience to know, if anything, before they watch your piece, whether it's context or whether it's anecdotes or uh, behind the scenes uh, experiences of the making of this piece, what would you like the audience to know before they go and watch the film? Well, I would like to talk a bit about the aesthetics as well, because I think they're rather important. Um, we are really, I was talking earlier about the idea of uh, an experience, about how can we create experience? And in order to do that, I worked with an interdisciplinary team, which I think is quite important to mention with choreographer and dance film director, Simona Deaconescu, and uh, with the DOP, Carmen Tofeni. And I think, yes, the, their part in the performance is very, 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 very important. What we tried to do together was to create a theatrical and camera language that um, generates tension, you know? Wh what we wanted to do at the end of the day was to fight language, to transfer the center of gravity from language, which is generally associated with theater, to code. It was a code meant to trigger the audience. It is an experience that gives you multiple possibilities of approaching. There is a video game called the Stanley Parable that some video game creator did a bunch of, uh, a bunch of years ago, where they were trying to challenge the narrative of the player what the player is usually expecting to experience in a game. And somehow this is the gamification that we approached and what we are trying to propose to the audience. You can either see it from a narrative perspective, and then it's important to have this background and then 
Stalin is a trigger, I think, and he, the title itself is a strong enough trigger to position the experience. You can just watch it from a, as an aesthetical, as a, as a choreographer piece, and then it is coded and it should give you a certain type of feeling, or you can just follow the actors, go with the actors, go with the camera work. And this is important, we use the camera because we think the camera is a more dictatorial means of focusing the view, while theater is profoundly democratic. And I think this type of experience, I mean, for me as a theater maker, I was very much attached before the pandemic to the live experience. It took me almost two years within the pandemics to be able to create something that I felt encompassed what I associated with the theatrical experience and also had this new edge that I felt was needed in order to really touch audiences. And I found this in two elements that I have tried to put in here Moscow Calling. First, this gamification of the experience. And the second one, the creative of multiple codes that address different types of sensitivities. Thank you so much. That's an incredible answer. We are really, really excited to be sharing here Moscow Calling uh, with everyone. It is going to be streaming on SiegelFilmFestival.org from 1st to 15th March. Uh, if you go on the Here Moscow Calling page and scroll down, you will also see a PayPal link. This entire festival is free and open for all, but if you wish to make a direct donation to Katinka and to the film, please do so on, on her page. Katinka, thank you so much. Uh, is there anything else you'd like to tell everyone before, before they go off and watch your piece? Uh, but thank you for having this. But I'm really curious for feedback. I'm really curious for feedback. So if anybody feels like sharing any thoughts, comments, question, I am more than open for discussions. That would be lovely. Uh, Katinka's details are on her page as well. Uh, and of course, we would love to hear from you. So please reach out. Thank you so much, Katinka. And uh, we can't wait to share your film with everyone. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you.